Hello, and welcome to the Victorious Living Christian Counseling Podcast. My name is Crystal Ridlin, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri and in the state of Texas, and a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Indiana. Victorious Living is not only a dream, but a real possibility through Jesus Christ. That is the purpose and the meaning behind my practice and behind the podcast. It's why I do what I do every day. It's the hope of bringing Christ healing into the lives of anyone that is seeking after hope. It's to bring hope and healing to everyone. And so I started the podcast as a way of trying to help as many people as I can, as I only have so many slots where I can see people in the office, and to bring awareness of the importance of Christian counseling and how it can benefit you in your everyday life. So today is an important topic. It's actually not one I've ever talked about before, but it's one that has been on my heart this year especially since um, I've actually moved and living in Texas now. And the weather, as you know, is way different than it was where I have grown up living in the Midwest. And I've noticed just a difference in my, how I feel throughout like the holiday season. Texas still gets cold and there are still some cloudy days, but it's nothing compared to um, the environment where I was raised, where it was, cold and cloudy and rainy for sometimes weeks at a time it felt like and so it has being in texas has helped my how i feel during what i call the seasonal blues Um, but anyway so the topic that we're going to talk about is seasonal affective disorder and so like sad which is actually says sad, which is very interesting because that's kind of an overall view of how you're going to feel um, throughout the winter months where the sun is decreased and it's colder and more dreary. And, and so we're going to talk about that more in depth. And seasonal affective disorder is a mood disorder that actually affects 10 million Americans every year. It is said that women struggle or suffer with this illness four times more than the average man. I'm going to actually disagree with that statistic because um, during my master's degree, I had to write a big research paper. And the topic was how men display depression versus how women display, display depression. And the facts of the fact is that women are way more likely to seek help for depression, whereas men are much less likely to seek depression help, help for their depression. And so I don't think that is entirely accurate. I also think that uh, women tend to um, handle their symptoms differently than men, whereas women tend to be more down. Men tend to be more irritable. They tend to be more snippy. They tend to Um, Also, they tend to gravitate more towards um, addiction type things when they're suffering more. And so that's just an average. Of course, women do that too. But um, this is just one thing I've noticed as a counselor in my office. So um, 10 million Americans are suffering with this. So the chances are some of you that are listening, hopefully you may be able to like connect if you've been feeling kind of bluesy 
um, throughout this season. Um, and it usually lasts from like October and it kind of can go into like even April. Um, when the sun starts to come out more, it starts to be warmer. You can be outside more without freezing to death. Um, and so that is um, a little bit about that. So what is it? It's a mood disorder characterized by depression that occurs during the same time every year. And like I said, it usually occurs during the winter months. So another thing I want to add um, is this like seasonal depression affects people more in areas where there's less sunlight during certain periods of the year. So like if it's, if you're living around the equator, then there's less likelihood that you're going to have seasonal depression because there's really, it's always hot. Right. Um, and so, but like I said, I'm living in Texas now, there's a lot more sun. It's usually, 20 to 30 degrees warmer than the areas that I grew up in that we lived for the first 20 years of our married life. And so I'm just noticing the difference in how I feel compared to how I felt the previous years. And so that's why I was like, you know what? I should probably talk about this. Um, so another thing I want to add is that during this period, especially in America, we have particular holidays that seem to be all during this period that bring up the most emotion. For example, that's Thanksgiving, Christmas, and even Valentine's Day. These are really awesome holidays and fun, but for a lot of people, they bring a lot of sadness because a lot of people don't have family to get together with at Thanksgiving. And a lot of people don't have Christmas with their families. And, and if you're alone and you don't have a significant other, or even if you have a significant other, but that relationship is rocky, then you're going to struggle a little bit on Valentine's Day, of course. And so um, I also think that these holidays tend to make seasonal depression worse or more symptomatic. Uh, I don't think any of you would argue with me about that because I think that most of us really know that Christmas and Thanksgiving and sometimes Valentine's Day can make certain people sad. And that's why one thing we want to be very sensitive to people who we know may be alone at the holidays. Um, one, an example of this is I had a dear friend where we just moved from and her and her husband ministered to the international community. And every Thanksgiving, they would have as many international um, people that were home alone. They were here. They didn't. They couldn't go home because they live from in another country. And they would have them to their house for Thanksgiving. And so they would always keep a count. And sometimes it was well over a hundred people that they would feed at Thanksgiving. And what a blessing that was for people who their homes and their families are so far away and yet they can share a meal and a cultural experience in some cases um, because they're not used to Thanksgiving. And so that's an example. And another is if there's somebody who has never married um, or they have recently divorced and Valentine's Day rolls around, that's going to be a really difficult holiday for these types of, for these people who are suffering with this 
type of situation. And so I think that's important for us to just be sensitive around those areas. And also, if we're ones that suffer during, like, I always get a little sad at Christmas. I love my my family, but my extended family was pretty messed up, like drugs. And in order to survive, I sort of had to pull away from that. And so I don't have these big, large family gatherings where, you know, I see my aunts and my grandmothers and my cousins. And, and that can be a little sad, especially when I'm looking around at church and different things. And I just see lots of people and families getting together and having a great time. And so, and I think at Christmas, I also really miss the people that I've lost this year, especially it was my grandmother who died a year ago um, in January. And so that was the first Christmas I had without her in the first Thanksgiving. And so there was some emotions that came with that, but I was able to process it and move through it. So that's one big thing um, is that these holidays kind of surround this difficult time too. And so knowing that, you know, can help you to maybe try to, for people to be sensitive and include people who don't have family or um, are alone. And also to just know that for yourself that, hey, I tend to struggle with this um, during the holidays. And so maybe making some different plans or, you know, just being aware of it can actually help a lot. So the symptoms, the emotional symptoms um, of seasonal affective disorder are fatigue. That's a huge one. You just feel tired, less motivated. And um, I always say if, it, if I was a bear, I'd love to hibernate in the winter because I just don't like being cold. I'm not a cold weather person. I prefer warmth and warm air, and I thrive under that more. Um, another symptom, of course, is depression. So feeling sad, down, empty, blue, hopeless. You feel hopeless. And sometimes you feel hopeless because there are just some really difficult things going on in your life. Sometimes you just feel hopeless and you don't really know why and you can't put your finger on it. Um, one of the things that people will tend to do when they are having um, struggles with sadness, depression, seasonal affective disorder is they tend to isolate, they socially withdraw. So if you see somebody that typically comes to your Bible study and suddenly they're not coming very often, um, maybe they've seemed down when you've talked to them in the past, they don't seem to have the life in them, then there's, or if it's your child, the kids suffer from depression. Um, one thing I always watch is for any kind of symptom of depression that my kids may be struggling with and, um, I ask a lot of questions. I'm sure I drive them crazy, but I want to make sure they're okay. So that's one of the things they socially isolate, they withdraw. Um, you kind of lose motivation to do things that you once enjoyed. Um, so on, if you might have typically tried to go to a movie with a friend on a Friday night, then you'd just be like, ah, I think I'll just stay home. So you kind of pull away from things that you once enjoyed. Um, the physical symptoms are oversleeping, so you tend to want to sleep a lot, um, crying. A lot of times you're going to see that different, like in this situations you may be or someone you love may be crying more than normal. There's appetite changes, and sadly, most often it's eating too much, so you like tend to overeat during the holidays, which causes weight gain, so that's a physical symptoms. Um, just feeling tired, 
and um, just in general, just how kind of having a, a feeling of feeling down and blue. Um, so here's just an overview of the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder. And I would always just feel, I'll kind of give an idea of kind of how it impacted me. And I wouldn't say I was ever like, in these cases, typically I wasn't fully depressed. I just wasn't myself. And I knew that. Um, I didn't have the, I would just tend to stay in and watch movies or, you know, sit by the fire. None of those things are bad, but I would do it way more than normal. And I would just have an overall sense of blueness. And so I found myself, and especially as a Christian, like this was the way that I coped. It was, I would find myself fighting this like pull towards um, feeling depressed and sad and like being in my Bible more, worshiping more, um, like trying really hard because I don't like feeling that. So I would, it was just a harder pull to try to stay um, towards more of a healthy place emotionally and mentally. Um, and so maybe you just feel that. Maybe you don't technically have seasonal affective disorder. Maybe you don't meet all the criteria, but you could just sense that, hey, during the winter months, you know, there's something going on inside of me and I don't really know what it is. Um, and so I think being aware of this can help you to just keep, you know, being able to, you know, stay more towards the joyful side and less towards the hopeless side. Um, so another thing I want to add is that for some people, their symptoms may be a little different. They may be more agitated or irritable. Um, they may have more anxiety, just be in general more worried about things that they typically don't worry about. Um, and basically it's that th these are more common symptoms with men. Like we talked about earlier, men, they, they seek um, help for depression less and they show their depression with different um, symptoms. And so that's one thing that you'll want to look for as well as if you just notice that you're just a little bit edgy, more edgy than normal or your spouse or your kids or um, your sons. Uh, so anyway, paying attention to those things. Another thing I want to talk about is um, really what happens is our bodies respond to the way that God created the sun and the moon, right? So the shifts, the light and the darkness. And so we have what's called a circadian rhythm. Well, when the time changes, right? So there's actually a change in time, always messes me up. Um, that tends to, because it pulls back, makes it lighter earlier and darker earlier. Um, that just messes me up. I can't, I always dread when there's a time change because I'm like, oh man, this is going to like, it takes me a while to get used to that. I think for people with seasonal affective disorder, they probably notice that it's harder for them to adjust to time changes. Um, and that's just because it's offsetting what our normal rhythm. And without all, without a time change, there's a natural circadian rhythm that God has instilled within us to kind of respond to different things. And so our body gets used to these things. 
Another thing that happens um, is during the winter months, there we oftentimes we get our most of our vitamin D comes from the sun. So we're outside in the sun and we'll get some good doses of vitamin D. And so during the winter months, that's reduced. And so it causes um, just a decrease in vitamin D level. So one thing I would encourage is go to a medical doctor and just have your, your vitamins checked. Like I've been surprised at how like I had a low B, B vitamin. I didn't know it. I had low D and I've had low folic. And those things can really mess like critically low. And those messed up my emotional health to some degree. And so once I got my supplements and medically got my vitamin deficiencies where they needed to be, that has helped me a lot. And so I would talk to your doctor about possibly adding some vitamin D during the winter months um, and seeing if that helps. Another thing that happens is because of this shift in light, it actually has an impact oftentimes on our serotonin levels in our brain. And so when we have a deficiency in serotonin, we have an increase in sadness. That's just kind of what happens. And so I think um, sometimes people that have intense seasonal affective disorder, their doctors may prescribe something just during those months to help with, you know, being able to combat combat the negative impact of um, seasonal affective disorder. And so again, anytime you go that route, it's always like, if I ever have somebody that I think needs any kind of treatment, I will just recommend them to a medical provider and then the medical provider takes over there. You never want to add or do anything without talking to your primary care first. Um, so another thing that happens is melatonin um, changes in season can disrupt the body's levels, causing too much or too little sleep. And so again, another just any shifts in these areas can impact our emotional health. So our physical well-being has a direct impact on our emotional well-being and our spiritual well-being. And our spiritual well-being has a direct impact on our physical and our emotional and vice versa. And so we want to make sure that we're treating the whole person, um, not just like if somebody comes to me, I want to look at the whole person, not just, oh, you've, you've been feeling sad. I want to get an overview of everything that's going on in their life in case they need a referral to a medical provider or um, they need maybe to be like, I'll do a lot of the counseling and the spiritual discipleship things. But sometimes I feel it's important to add a, uh, even a pastor, somebody who's knowledgeable about mental health, but also like more knowledgeable about the scripture and able to bring that in because that's, you know, I know a lot of that stuff, but I don't know as much as, you know, a pastor, of course, because that's not my specialty. But um, so I think like if I feel like there's a, a deficiency there, then I will oftentimes have them also visit with their pastor and um, get some spiritual discipleship as well. Um, so we're, we're treating the the mental health, we're treating the physical health, and we're treating the spiritual health. And that is the most well-rounded recipe for healing. And we can't leave any of those things out. Okay. Um, that's important to remember. Um, and that's one thing I do in my office. Like I oftentimes will see that somebody seems like they've been really just kind of like 
fatigued and weary. And I never assumed that, hey, if I just, you know, do talk therapy with them, that that's going to be all they need. Sometimes it is, oftentimes it is, but sometimes they need um, additional support from these other areas. And so I want to get that to them um, so that they can begin really feeling more like themselves. So there are some risk factors to seasonal affective disorder. One is family history. So if you have a mother or a grandmother or siblings, um, blood relatives who struggle with um, seasonal affective disorder, depression, then that's something that, you know, doesn't mean that you definitely get that from them, but it is, you know, a risk factor, something to be aware of. Um, Another risk factor is major depression or bipolar. And so it's really common for people who already have these underlying mental health issues to struggle more um, during the winter months. And so that's a risk factor. Um, Again, obviously, like we talked about, living far from the equator where there's a reduced amount of sunlight is going to affect um, whether or not you have seasonal affective disorder. I've actually had a few clients who say that during the summer, they feel more agitated. Like when there's a lot of sunlight, they tend to feel more agitated. And and so I think that sometimes like we just have, you know, kind of an ebb and flow and we respond to um, different, um, the weather in different ways. And so it could be that maybe, you know, you tend to do really well at during the winter months, but maybe you don't do great um, during the summer and spring. You might have a little more anxiety during those times, and it could be related to the weather. Um, And so that's just one thing I want to point out because I've had a few clients who have told me that. Um, So the other thing, um, the thing that I want to leave you with is it is important that if you are depressed, that and you're not able to work through it on your own like you're noticing people notice you know one of the things I'll ask my clients is um have you noticed that you know would people around you or would you say that you act more like Eeyore like you're down you're sad you're kind of mopey or you're kind of fidgety and can't sit still like tiggerish either of those things can indicate that there is some depression some anxiety Um, And so that's one thing to look for. Um, So what do you do if you have someone that you love who who just isn't responding well? Like you can just tell that they don't do well. Because a lot of times it's really hard to get somebody to go to counseling just because we tell them they probably should. Um, But... I think the the biggest thing is just pointing to the symptoms. Like I notice that you're isolating a lot. Um, if it's your child and they're under 18, we have some more control over whether or not we can get them some help. A lot of times it's just um, saying, hey, why don't you try it one time? Just talk to this counselor one time and we'll see how it goes. Um, and then if you don't feel comfortable, you know, we can make a decision about a different counselor or you know, sometimes just getting them to the right counselor for the first time can help because then they realize, oh, this wasn't so bad. What was all the hype about? Um, another thing that you're going to notice is maybe they're struggling with schoolwork. Um, they're just not able to keep up as much. Um, 
they're just sluggish and down. And so if, if you have anybody in your family or loved ones that you notice are struggling with these, I think the most important thing is we don't want to be judgmental and be like, I know that you're depressed or, you know, we don't want to put ourselves in a position of an expert. Um, even in my home, I am a mental health expert. And yet I am really careful when I do see symptoms of anything with my family members because I'm not their counselor. <laughs> I'm their mom, but I'm also to look after them. And so I'll just point to the symptoms rather than insinuate that I think they may be this or that or that. And so I could say, you know, I've noticed that you've been isolating more or I've noticed you've just been more sluggish. Is everything okay? Um, you know, I noticed that maybe every year around this time, like your grades kind of dip a little bit. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. So more in a position of I care about you and this is what I'm noticing and give them some freedom to talk about it. Um, so another thing is, and it's always, you know, the, the hardest part of any kind of mental illness is um, the worst symptom is um, suicidal thoughts, suicide. So I think that's why it's so important to be aware because um, statistically speaking, a lot more suicides are going to happen during these winter months because a lot more people struggle. Even people that struggle with depression and bipolar, they're feeling it way worse during these months, um, typically, not all the time. And so that is one thing that we want to really be cautious about. I've seen a lot of parents who have kids that have attempted suicide and they have been completely baffled. Like how in the world I had no clue. They're like, there were no symptoms. And then as therapy continues and I begin asking, usually even in the first assessment, like, tell me a little bit about when you first noticed anything. And then I'll say like, was your child isolating? Were they in their room more than normal? Were they not talking to you like they normally do? Were they irritable or grumpy or agitated? And then usually when, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, I always tell them that. But the important thing is we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And so we want to begin looking for the symptoms. And so typically if somebody is depressed, the symptoms are going to be present. I think it just means we have to know what they are. We have to know what to look for them. And another thing that I found like is oftentimes there's this lie from the enemy that makes me so mad is that there's this, uh, this cultural belief that teenagers don't want anything to do with their parents. Their parents just aren't cool. They don't want anything to do with their parents. That is a lie from the enemy. Your children, no matter how old they are, they want to have a relationship with you. They may want some independence, right? They may want some like space, but they don't want all independence and they don't want all space. And so if your child is pulling away from you, do not listen to the cultural belief that teenagers don't want to be around their parents. Because the fact is that teenagers absolutely want to be around their parents. They want to their parents to be pleased with them. And um, this is always... Um, something that I just want everybody to see. And in fact, if that is what's going on, if, you're, if your teenager is agitated or irritable more than normal and there's not, it doesn't feel comfortable in your relationship with your, with your teens, teens or your children, get help. That's what this part, the purpose of this podcast is, is to help you to know like, hey, like that's not God's plan. 
my kids every night, sometimes to an extreme, they come in and they want to talk and they want to talk. I have three teenage boys from 19 to 13 and I have a 10 year old girl and they all want to talk to me and they love talking to us before they go to bed or any time. And so sometimes I actually have to kick them out of my room because I need sleep and I need a little bit of downtime. And so, um, kids, our kids, our teenagers really do want to spend time with us. Also, if you're seeing it with a spouse or a friend, right? So that's just some, that's a little side note about teenagers, just because I have teenagers and I know many of you do too. Um, but this, the same concepts can be for, you know, your spouse, if your spouse is pulling away from you, if, if they're isolating, if they are acting like they're hopeless, there's something going on and, you know, it's, it's better to intervene. My, my model's always better safe than sorry. So another verse that I really like is first Peter five, seven, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. And then one of my favorites is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is one that almost all my clients um, are asked to memorize and keep near is do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then I'll end with Revelations 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And I love that promise that one day we're going to be with Jesus. If we have um, asked Jesus into our heart, we have surrendered ourselves to him we have asked to be his children we have asked him to forgive us of our sins and we desperately want the hope that comes from being in an intimate relationship with christ one day we will be with jesus and we will not suffer anymore we won't face seasonal depression because we will be with the father in heaven where things will be perfect and we will be united with our maker and so that's where I wanted to end with you today. Um, again, if any of you, um, I've actually been getting some emails and it's been really awesome and such a blessing to hear how these podcasts are impacting you. And even if there's been a few who's emailed me and said that these podcasts encourage them to want to be healthy and emotionally healthy and to seek counseling. And so that's been really encouraging to me. So if you want to email me at Victorious Living Counseling, um, that would be, it's uh, Victorious Living Counseling at yahoo.com. And also if you want to um, check out my website, it's victoriouslivingcounseling.com or victoriouslivingchristiancounseling.com. I have two of them. So those are two ways that you can get in touch with me. Um, and I want to apologize that it has taken me so long to make a podcast. Um, I was 
in an office and had to end that office situation. And so I am working from home for the most part. And so I've had to get kind of regrouped. And then as soon as I felt regrouped, it was Christmas and I actually ended up getting sick for a few weeks. Um, then I had shingles. So it's been crazy, um, crazy, crazy stuff that's been going on, but um, I haven't forgotten. Um, and so I've been trying to get on here and also working from home makes it a little more difficult to find um, times of quiet because I have four kids and a dog. Um, but anyway, so I haven't forgotten and um, I just want to apologize for that. So anyway, I wish you guys all the best. And um, if you have any questions, please reach out and look me up. Talk to you later. Bye.